0: I'm glad that you were able to uh, pinch hit for Derek this morning while he was away. And the reason I'm most glad about that is so Millie could sit down here front with you. That was awesome. That was great. Millie, thanks for sitting with your dad. I know she's already gone, but thanks anyway. Maybe she's hearing it as she's walking through the halls in the children's center this morning. Hey, last week we said that God can use our jobs as a life-replenishing stream. And uh, that's pretty good to know. because. We spend one-third of our lives at work. Now some of you think you spend three-fourths of your life, right? You think you spend all of your time on the job, eight to ten hours a day, every weekday of your life. Now if you love your job, that's great. If you do not love your job, well that's a different story, right? I mean we all know those people that really dislike their job. And we know those people because they tell us. Right? I mean, boy, do they tell us. And if you're in management in any way, hey, you know exactly who likes their job and who does not like their job. Man, those who are people who are miserable, I guess misery just loves company. And so, individuals just love to go around and say, hey, let me just tell you how awful my job is. You know? You say, hey, how's things going at work? Oh, work. And it just goes on and on, one-third of your life at work and yet… God wants to use this as a replenishing stream. You see, life's short. And if your job sucks the very life out of you, then you got troubles. You got problems when year after year and you're just never able to keep up your energy. And we encourage you last week that if that's your situation, then get on your knees and be in prayer and say, God, either change my attitude about my job or change this job. Allow the job to change. Help me to change departments, change employers, or or maybe even change careers. You know, a few weeks ago, we discovered that our souls are most alive when they're at home with God. And we looked in Genesis to the very beginning, and when God breathed life into mankind, breathed life into the soul, and we saw what it was to have an uncluttered soul, how that you would be able to have strong relationships and you'd be able to enjoy not only God but also his very creation and and that is what life was meant to be but there was something else that was in that passage that we intentionally did not look at because I thought I would just save it until until today and we would come and and go back to it so open up your Bibles just for a moment to Genesis chapter 2 and we'll spend a, a few minutes here and and also some other passages I want us to look at because I want you to leave here understanding something that we don't talk about a lot. And that's the fact that God intends for our work to be joyful. Now that might sound crazy. That God intends for work to actually be something that is filled with joy. Genesis 2 and verse 15. It says, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. God gave the human soul responsibility. Now this can be shocking Because some of you probably thought that work came about because of sin. That all the toil and all the strife and all the struggle that mankind has gone through when it comes to jobs all came about because of what took place with sin in the garden. That God came along and said, Adam, you know what? You really messed up. And apparently you and Eve just have way too much time on your hands. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create this thing called work. And I'm going to give you a job. And you're going to hate it. And you're going to resent it. But you're going to be stuck with it. And so you're going to have children so that they can do work for you. I mean, that was the the idea. At least that's what we think the idea was. And yet we look here in Genesis 2 and verse 15. And it says, even before, even before mankind made their sinful choice. God says, I need you to work at something. I need you to have a job. You know the attitude of the American culture often seems to think, hey I'll get a job because I need to have a job, I'll work as hard as I can so that maybe one day I can quit that job because we think that responsibility free environments make us happier. We assume that since work is hard and vacation is restful and fun that work is the problem responsibility is the intruder in our life jobs are the enemy we work hard so that one day we can retire and start to do what we actually enjoy and yet when the bible describes the optimal environment for the soul the optimal place where life happens there's work involved he had an assignment for Adam and he gave Adam a job the difference is that before the intrusion of sin, there was no anxiety or toil or, or sweat in the job, but, but Adam still had something he was required to do because humans were created to bear responsibility. The Hebrew word that's translated here as, as work also means and can be rendered serve. See, often when we think about serving, we think in terms of sacrifice, but serving actually benefits the one that is doing the service serving makes your soul free it makes you feel alive on the inside you find fulfillment you find your ultimate health and life when you live beyond yourself and so i'm going to say something that i thought i would never say especially when my father was putting me to work in the in, in the storeroom of home crafters slash wicks lumber in the 1980s with a big push broom. And my job was to go back and forth in this work area and just sweep. Go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in this area that lumber is being brought into and and all this other stuff, this dirt and grime that never got clean. And I know I'm going to sound like my father when I say this, but here it goes. Responsibility is good for the soul. It is. Responsibility is good for the soul. See, sometimes we equate, equate a lack of responsibility with, with truly living free, but it's really not freedom. That's not how our soul operates. We need assignments, we need work, and we need activity. Some people want responsibility, but they only want the task that they want. They only want the job that, that they want. I wanted to wear one of those vests. I wanted to wear one of those vests that the... Um, the guys that worked on the, the showroom floor got to wear, that had their name on it. I didn't want a broom in the, in the back, behind all those pallets, where nobody could see me, where nobody knew the, the work that I was doing. I went to hear my name called out over the intercom, Chris, would you please come to aisle two? I mean, that's what I wanted. All I got was allergies because of all the dust that was there. Allergy shots that I would have to take all the way up until college. And, you know, Paul addressed Christians whose work environment was not the most ideal. And he said in Colossians chapter 3, beginning of verse 23, whatever you do, work in it with all of your heart, as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ. That you were serving. Have you ever just stopped to think that maybe responsibility is the key to fulfillment and joy on the inside? Maybe soul satisfaction is tied more to responsibility itself than to a particular role or a, or a dream job. Dads, have you, have you felt just like sometimes you don't measure up because of the job that you have? Maybe you don't have the role that you want? You had intended a cert, to be at a certain place at a certain time right now. It just hasn't happened. Maybe you're in the family business and you said, I will never work with my dad. Maybe you look at where you're at and you can, you can hear echoes from the past talking to you and saying, I told you, you should have you, you gone ahead and you should have went to college or you should have gone ahead, you should have taken that job offer when it was given to you in Pennsylvania or wherever it might be. Maybe you look at your life right now and say, "You know, it's just not what I wanted. It's not what I, it's not what I wanted to have." And maybe because you were not in the place that you wanted to be, your work has suffered. And others around you see it. Can you hear the words of Paul as he says, "You need to understand that the work that you are doing right now, the job that you have, you're not working for the man. You're working for the man. You're working for the Lord." Whatever role that you have right now, whether it be the place that you envision, whether you're making the amount of money you thought you'd be making right now, but each and every day you are able to go into work. You are doing what God instituted in the very beginning, and it is healthy for your soul to have the responsibility you have. King Solomon wrote in his treatise on life whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. See, he had noticed at least one thing that apparently was good out of all of life's toil and uneasiness and uselessness. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 18. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during this short life God has given them, and to accept their lot in life. And It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Hey, let's just dig down right here just for a couple of minutes. And uh, whether you're dad, mom, doesn't matter who you are this morning, I think there's some takeaways for you. Did you get as we were reading through here that God really believes that you can enjoy your work? You can actually enjoy the work that you have. You can have more energy. You can actually have peace. You can have a greater self-confidence. You say, you have not seen where I work. Well, maybe not. But that is actually something that God believes that you can have through the ability to work. So let me ask you, what are your passions? What drives you? What is it that really gets your heart going? What is it that that motivates you? You know, God has made each and every one, one of us different. And some of us have a passion for numbers. I don't understand that, but there are some of you, Bob White, you know, you've got passion for numbers. And others of you, you have passion for people. And so you look at someone like Dr. Hayes and Dr. Jennings, and you see the way that they they use that passion and the knowledge that they've been able to gain over time for the betterment of others. What is it that you are passionate about? Is it children? Is it gardening? Is it working at the computer? Is it spending time outside? Where is your passion found? Then let me ask you this. When it comes to your work, are you challenged at all? You see, if you're under-challenged in your job, you're just going to be bored and you're going to say, what's the big point? Why am I even doing this? Under-challenged is not good, but it's also bad to be dangerously over-challenged. When you work too long and too hard and too fast, something ends up having to break. Something ends up snapping. And oftentimes it's you or it's your family. It's the relationship that you have with your friends. Sometimes it's the relationship that you have with God. Maybe you think that being appropriately challenged is where you need to be, but it's actually not because... When you are only appropriately challenged in your job, you accomplish everything on your own power. You don't need others, there's no teamwork involved. You certainly don't need to be in prayer because God is not needed. You're not thriving, you're just going and doing what is asked of you when it's asked of you and you're turning in your time card and everything is good. But there's an appropriately challenged plus stage. That's your sweet spot. That's when, yeah, you're in need of a team and yes, You're in need of God. Your head is just above water so that you're having to learn how to swim harder and faster. But guess what? You're not drowning. And you're enjoying life. You're enjoying what you're doing because your passion is meeting your challenge. And it's life squared. Let me ask about the big question when it comes to your job. Do do you dislike your job because of what you're getting paid Jesus said a worker is worthy of his wages. And so there's always this question, especially for college students. They're getting ready to graduate, it's like, do I take a job that is based on pay or passion? And all the parents in here say, pay, please. Hear me, pay, right? It is a rare and precious blessing when our pay and our passions align. And your son comes to you and says, I think I want to go spend the next three years in Guinea. And I want to just be there and be one with the world. And I want to be one with the world. And you say, well, how are you going to, how are you going to pay for this trip to Guinea? And, and how are you going to, to care for yourself? And, and they say, oh, don't worry, dad. You and mom will take care of it. The Lord will provide through you. <laughs> First Timothy 5 and verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than unbeliever. I think Paul is saying here that there are some times when you have to put your passion aside if, if maybe just for a season so you can actually go and put food on the table. If you're called to provide, provide, even if you cannot do so in your area of passion. So think about this. If you have low pay, but a high passion, then go supplement your income. Go supplement your income. Do something on the side that, that helps bring in maybe some more money for this season of life that you are in. So that you can still participate in what it is that, that is a passion for you. I see this a lot in the life of teachers. Men and women who are passionate about being involved in the lives of students and they have high passion and they have low pay and they volunteer to coach and they volunteer to be in charge of clubs and they they take on extra responsibilities teaching it as adjunct faculty at colleges. Anything to to get a little money here and a little money there because they have such high passion and they don't want to lose that and leave it behind. Or maybe you have high pay and low passion. Maybe the money that you're bringing in is really good and, but you're just not able to work in the area that really lights your fire. So supplement your passion. Bob Goff, author of the New York Times bestseller Love Does, lives out the supplement your passion principle I think masterfully. He's an attorney by trade and in the marketplace he provides a good income for himself. But his passion lies elsewhere, so here's what Bob did. He founded Restore International. It's a nonprofit human rights organization that pursue, pursues justice for those who cannot afford legal representation in Uganda and India. And he views his work as a lawyer, I love this, as fundraising. He goes to work to fundraise for his personal ministry that includes his involvement in Restore International. And his role in inspiring others to live out their God-giving passions. I know it's a complicated subject, but God wants you to enjoy the work that you have. In today's economy, you just don't run out and quit your job. But it could be true that the job that you have right now just doesn't fire you up. And maybe the job that you have right now is not truly covering all the bills that you have. I hope that you will prayerfully evaluate what truly matters what are your needs? What are your wants? And begin praying that God will lead you to a vocation that brings your passion and your level of challenge and your compensation into holistic alignment because God really believes that you can enjoy your job. Here's something else we found from this passage is that wealth comes from God. Wealth comes from God. First Chronicles 29 verse 11, everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted and head over all. Wealth and honor come from you, and you are the ruler of all things. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And when you have this wealth, we need to understand that we have been blessed so that we might be a blessing to others. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writing, giving instructions to the preacher there. He says, listen. I want you to teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And what does that look like in the area of your job? It's to understand that you have been blessed to be a blessing to others. And I know some people before have said, you know, I I want to do that, Chris, but I just don't think I'm at the place. And this just isn't the right job right now to be that blessing. We've said before, and I want to remind you again, God is not interested in what you would do with what you do not have. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't want to hear what you will do when your ship comes in, and what you would do if you had decided to go in that other route, if you had taken that other job. But he is very interested in what you do with what he has already given to you. Wealth comes from God, and it's meant to bless others. Here's the final thing. We want to close everything out so that everybody's got some time to to spend catching up with each other this morning before our classes. Understand that your job is not your identity. Your job is not your identity. You're a Christian who at this season of your life just happens to be working as an engineer, or as a teacher, or as a mechanic, or an accountant, or a waiter, or waitress, computer programmer, a janitor, a lawyer, a physician, a salesman, a truck driver, a preacher. So enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. Don't wait for a certain role to come along. Your soul's happiness and health are not dependent upon your role. Your identity is not based on the titles that you put before or after your name. Your identity is not rolled up into where you go to work and what parking place you have. Your soul was designed to do whatever it is you are currently doing now to the most and to the best of your ability as if you were working for God and not for man. Your soul needs responsibility to be healthy and there is a good chance that that responsibility is right in front of you if instead of complaining about the lot that you have in life and about where you are and about what's going on with your job, you look at it as an opportunity to serve God and to be an example to your family. You see, in life, we're going to have many jobs. But in Christ, we only have one identity. You fathers and mothers are children of God. You see what love that God has lavished upon us that we should be called His children? And that's exactly what we are. And our Father wants His children to experience life to the full. Life Squared is about rediscovering the life that God had intended in the very beginning. And this rediscovery leads to an important question. It's like, well, what should we do then? If that's what you want for us, God, then what do we do, especially when it comes to the jobs that we have? Well, that exact question was asked of John the Baptist when he said, listen, the kingdom is here and the kingdom is present and you need to repent and you you need to allow the kingdom to influence your life. And the crowd said, what should we do? And John said, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. The corrupt tax collectors even came to be baptized. And they said, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. Well, what should we do, asked some soldiers. And John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. What do we do when we're in the kingdom? What do we do when we're experiencing life squared? We share clothes and food with the poor. We don't take more than what's due. We don't extort money or accuse falsely. We're content with the season of wages that we have. And we leverage our job for the kingdom. You see, you have the job that you have right now. I firmly believe this. Because God needs you where you are at. God needs one of his children in the office where you work. God needs one of his children in the classroom where you teach. God needs one of his children in the operating room and in the, in the boardroom. And he needs one of his children behind the wheel of that big rig. And, and he needs one of his children pushing that broom and And he needs one of his children making those sales calls. Wherever it is that your vocation has taken you, it has taken you there because God needs one of his children there. And so when you go to work tomorrow, dads, go to work understanding that you are a child of the king and you have been placed in this role for a reason. And it might not be the place that you've always wanted to be. It might not be the place that you always stay. But you make a commitment today that while you were there, you will be the best employee and you will be the hardest worker and you will be the brightest light because you are there to work for your father. Work for your dad. And in doing so, you'll be Blessed. You'll be blessed. How about we pray about this together? Let's pray about these jobs that we go to and the work that we do and the time that we spend away oftentimes from family. And ask God to use those opportunities for his kingdom. Father, we've got people in our room right now who love their jobs and we've got people here who hate their jobs. And we've got people who have come here and they've been thinking about their jobs all day because of something that has to be done and it can't wait until tomorrow. At least that's what they think. We've got people who are here in this room that their job weighs on them. It's a weight, it's an anchor. And it affects the relationship that they have with your church, it affects the relationship that they have with their family it affects their health father we know that you intended for work to be something that was joyful and to be something that was good but sin has taken that original intention and turned it upside down in our lives but as your children today father we want to be reminded of of that true intention and help us to be able to to leverage whatever job that we have for your kingdom. Help us to be able to use the funds that we are given for our work to be a blessing to others. Help us to, to see that the time that we put in to this job, to, to that that place of employment, it is time that we are there to influence others for your cause and for your kingdom. Help us to see ourselves as your ambassadors who just happen right now in our life to to have a certain vocation. Father, remind us of our identity, of whose we are, who we belong to. And may we always work in a way that brings honor and glory to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Dads, moms, kids, can we have prayer for your family today? Would you like to be baptized into Christ? We it with others who have already done that this week. Maybe it's something you have come here wishing to do today. Because of your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you say, I want to be known as a child of God. And you want to be obedient to Jesus' call to be immersed into Him. Matt's going to lead us. We'll stand and sing together to encourage one another. If you need to come, please do so as we stand and sing.